looking back at the best of Saturday's racing from around the country and examining the big talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Pass the Post for Sunday, the 11th of April. First day of the championships yesterday at Royal Ramick. Wonderful day of racing. Promised to be and certainly delivered. Michael Maxworthy joins me in the studio. Morning, how are you? Good morning to you, David. Yes, it was a wonderful day at Randwick yesterday, wasn't it? Again, the boys in blue. Godolphin stole the show with three winners um, and the greatest mile handicap race in this country never let us down again. Mugger 2 seemed to have his chance. He looked, uh, looked a little bit one pace late, but we saw the highs and lows again of uh, some of our, our great races here in Australia. I thought Ice Bath was going to hold on. Mm. Brad Widdop and, and Jay Ford getting up on the rails and then the boys in blue, big chestnut with a baldy face, Cascadian, who promised so much when he first arrived, David, from, from France. Didn't quite deliver, but he certainly did yesterday, courtesy of an, an amazing ride by Jamie Carr. She's just so cool, isn't she? The Doncaster was one of four Group 1 races, but a host of other group and listed features. So we're going to spend plenty of time on Royal Ramwick this morning. But, of course, also racing at Dermot. We'll focus on that as we creep closer towards our carnival, which kicks off on the 1st of May, Queensland Guineas Day at Eagle Farm. And we had a good meeting, too, at Morfordville. Their carnival is beckoning as well. They had two listed races yesterday. Godolphin Godolphin. actually quit out of the Dequeneville. And a horse called uh, Royal Mile won the... Port Adelaide Guineas, trained by Lee Creek. Lee's based at Mount Gambier in the southeast of the state. We'll catch up with Lee later in the program. A few other guests as well. Thanks for your company this morning. And by the way, as you know, I'm not uh, prone to give compliments. You tipped impressively yesterday. Five winners. Yeah, every now and then these kinds of things happen, but not often enough, not often enough. Including barefoot at $14. Yes, and, and really desperate for wonderful Reary to run the hole. I had a decent uh, place all up going yesterday, and I tell you what, it didn't look too good at the top of the straight. No, first place in the end was good. OK, more of that later. Let's concentrate on Royal Ramwick. First day of the championships, and as Michael rightfully said, one of the greatest races in Australia is the Doncaster. 19 ran, think it over, was a late scratching, and Mugger 2 went off favourite at 4.20. As the big field turns for home now, Delmado in front from Forbidden Love. They beat off Yao Dash. Then came Samadout. The inside is Ice Bar from Dallasan, who's picking up down to the 250. Forbidden Love in front. Here he comes, Mugger 2 now. He's giving chase with Cascadian the outside and Ice Bath up the inside. Cascadian wide out. Dallasan through the centre. Ice Bath along the rails. It's Ice Bath and Cascadian. Ice Bath, Cascadian. I think Jamie Carr's won it. Cascadian the outside of Ice Bath and the great finish to the Doncaster. Dallas Andrew run third. Mugatu got his chance from Zaki running on well. Then Forbidden Love from Toya, Star of the Seas, Rock A Ghana. Uh, a gap back to Mawunga from Wheelhouse. Best of day, Samadout, Shout the Bar and a Fun Star. Yes, Cascadian arriving in the nick of time ahead the winning margin. Jamie Carr, the first female to ride a winner of the Doncaster. And as we outlined, it was a big day for Godolphin, uh, their second Group 1 on the day. Vin Cox is the Managing Director of Godolphin Australia. He always is very kind with his time, and he's our first guest this morning. Vin, good morning. Hey, good morning, David. How are you? I'm well, and how are you? I'm sure you're in a good frame of mind, because these are the days you, you aim for, you plan for, you want to be there. You were there, and uh, two groups and, uh, and the kindergarten in the first race. That was a good day at the office. 
Uh, it was a very good day. Um, to win a Doncaster is, is, a, is a great result at any level, and uh, get a Group 1 winning two-year-old Colt is, a, is, is just fantastic for the organisation. And Paul Ailey, a good stakes winner in the first race, was wonderful, as well as a stakes winner over in Adelaide with... Um, uh, with Cloudy over there, the, the daughter of Frost. So, yeah, it was a pretty good day at the office. Michael Maxworth is with me in the studio. We were just talking about Cascadia before you joined us. Uh, this is his fourth campaign here in Australia, and he uh, arrived from France. Just give us a bit of background about Cascadia before he arrived here. What was the, the reputation? What was the talk about him? Um, look, he was a horse that was trained by Andre Farb. He wasn't the top of the tree over there with them at, at that age and stage of his career. Um, the European Godolphin organisation just decided he might be better suited over over in, here in Australia and uh, we've been the fortunate beneficiary of um, being able to develop his career and uh, you know, he's he, he always had one of these mild handicaps in him and it was just a matter of getting him in on the right one on the right day and he came fourth in this race last year. He He's run places in the Cantala, the, the, the um, Flemington equivalent during the spring, and um, yeah, it's just a fantastic result for us. And Vin, how did the booking come about with um, Jamie Carr? I know this this guy only had fifty three kilos. He jumped from barrier three, but um, the booking of Jamie Carr. Oh, Michael, um, yeah, Jamie's form is, has been quite spectacular, and uh, with with the weight of 53 kilos, it was a case of, well, who's the best around, and we've had a bit of luck with Jamie, and uh, her stats are seriously impressive, and at that level of weight, um, you don't have the big names to choose from, and, um, you know, if she's not the best jockey in the country, she's certainly one of them. One of them. Yeah, well, she, she she turned in a great ride, didn't she? She was following the right horse, uh, Hugh Bowman, on Mugger 2. Uh, yeah, so I read in the press today that she'd said to Huey and the Barrows, it's going to follow you through. And, yeah, she stuck to her word. Um, you know, she doesn't overthink things. She doesn't overcomplicate things. And I think that's probably her, uh, you know, her, 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 her advantage in that she doesn't sort of get bogged down in instructions or bogged down in, in, in trying to overthink the race. And um, and she's just got beautiful hands and get, gets horses travelling for her and, um, yeah, it's a, you know, she, she really is, a, a, well, not so much a rising star, but she's really going to cement herself in the history of, of racing for a long time to come. Vin, Ray Thomas is a great uh, fact researcher, and he made the point this morning, well, we made the point initially that she was the first female to win a Doncaster, but Ray points out, and this is interesting from Godolphin's point of view, she's the first female jockey to win a Group 1 race for the, for the Godolphin stable anywhere in the world. Yes, that, 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 uh, that's, that's exactly right, David. And um, it's, I mean, I'm not sure there's a lot of female jockeys in Europe um, and there's a handful in, in America, uh, but none that the riding at the level that we have here in Australia with, with Rachel and um, uh, um, Jamie Carr as well. They're both outstanding talents, outstanding people, and uh, when they're competing at the level that they do compete against Bowman's and Oliver's and McAvoy's and uh, you know J-Max, they're they're really competing in the big league. Vinny's only had what three runs back from a spell. Um, what's what's next? What's likely to be his next target, Cascadia? Oh, we'll have a chat tomorrow about it, Michael. We we haven't really got any firm plans. Uh, you know, there is some suggestion we could go to the QE2 
it goes back to wait for age. It's a mile and a quarter. It, it, that's, we haven't really tested him at that, so that might be a step too far for him. But, uh, you know, he's, if we protect him a little bit, we can keep him racing, and he might, might have raced himself out of handicaps. But, um, you know, we'll just see, see where we go from here. We're chatting with Vin Cox from Godolphin. Vin, stay with us. Let's go to the, the sires, the English sires at Group 1 level, and the Godolphin runner Animo was a dominant favourite at ninety. It's Tiger Malay held together, turning the corner. Four moves ahead is getting plenty of room to go through as Lightsaber gives ground now. It's Tiger Malay being challenged by four moves ahead. Daily Bugle, and here he comes, Animo. He let loose in a stride, and the Colt charges to the lead of the 200. Halal's coming down the outside, and then came Captivon, but Animo's well clear. Halal and Captivon fight out second and third, but a cosy victory in the English size for Animo. McDonald eased him right down for a three-length win from Halal. A headaway captive on, then Queen of Wizardry. Four moves ahead, dropped off with Daly. Yes, Animo winning as expected. The winning margin was two and three-quarter lengths. It actually flattered uh, the play skitters because uh, he was throttled down the last, well, probably 80 metres or so. Uh, it was a, it was an arrogant performance, Vin, and I've got to say, um, I, know, I know nothing's over until the, the post has arrived at, but it was a pretty easy watch, wasn't it? Oh, it was a very easy watch, David, and uh, yeah, he's got rightful claims to suggest he's the best two-year-old in the country at the moment. He came third in the Blue Diamond after drawing wide and even wider in the Golden Slipper and ran second there, and his run in the Golden Slipper was quite spectacular. Yeah. Uh, and then to cap it off in just such you know, amazing fashion yesterday in the size produce. Um, He's an exciting two-year-old. He's an exciting prospect for us, and um, it's great for the business, as I said earlier, um, to have a colt like that win a, win a prominent race as it is. Yeah, Vin, you talk about the slipper. He ran second. He had barrier number 15. He was beaten 1.8 uh, by Stay Inside. Take nothing away from Stay Inside. It was absolutely super. But I just wonder what might have been had he drawn a gate that day. What's the general opinion at Godolphin? Oh, we argue amongst ourselves about whether we went too far back or we could have slotted in a bit, bit, bit further forward. But I think, I think, I mean, the race ran as it was, and uh, he did go back. But you know, in going back, you conserve a lot of energy, and and you know, the horses that are up front tend to come back in your lap, and it might have flattered him a little bit. But you know, having said all that, he he really proved how dominant he is or how good he is. Uh, in the size produce. So, yeah, we can pontificate about what could have, should have, maybe could have happened. But, uh, look, he's, you know, he's, he's won his group one now. He's second in the slipper. Uh, we can't, we're, we're not arguing. And, and what, it's been a wonderful career, even though it's only a short career. He kicked off in the spring. We saw him in the summer. We've seen him in the autumn. Now, James seemed fairly bullish uh, post-race yesterday that there's no reason why he won't go to the champagne. I mean, you wouldn't think anything that raced him yesterday could beat him so it does seem a very another nice uh, uh, bite of the cherry in two weeks time oh it is it, i mean it's an obvious step to make i mean uh you know, it's the natural progression he uh, yeah as long as he comes out of the race we'll certainly take a good look at it i noticed um on on the uh, tab app that he's a dollar fifty for the champagne so mm. um so you know they've got to beat him now i think 
Yeah, what about um, when James McDonald gave him his head at about the 350? It was like he just clicked his fingers and he... I mean, it separates the men from the boys, doesn't it? When you see a horse like that, a raw horse like that, he was still green yesterday. Just turn it on, like step up step up another gear. It was just an incredible acceleration. Oh, amazing. It's, it's you know, tingled with the back of your neck type stuff when they do that and, and to idle down in the last bit of the race and be completely arrogant about it with something else. So, uh, yeah, he was he was amazing. On the, on the point of the turn, my wife said to me, how are you travelling? I said, we're flying. We're going. And, and really, <laughs> we're, we're going all right. So, no, it was, it was great. And great brother, Jay Mack, and two group ones for him on the day. He's, uh, he's again, another great rider. He described him as the Rolls-Royce of two-year-old racing. What about this other youngster in the first, Paul Laley, won the, the Group 3 kindergarten, uh, and it was dominant at the end as well. Any consideration that uh, Paul Laley could come to Brisbane? Um, we haven't we haven't really talked about that. We are going to have a strong hand up in Brisbane. Pulele won the won the kindergarten, which we won two years ago with Bivouac. I'm I'm not saying at this stage he's going to turn into a Bivouac, but but it's a race that has set up um, a lot of uh, good horses for for future careers. So um, we'll consider all options, and um, these profiles more probably six furlongs than seven and we have tried him over the seven so um and as you well know david uh, the t-roll program in brisbane is more geared around the seven um eight furlong type races so um I, you know this early stage would say unlikely but um but we do look forward to having a, a pretty strong hand in brisbane yeah there's, there's a group two there that, that champagne classic it's worth a quarter of a million but anyway you mentioned bivouac uh, uh good and bad yes bivouac seemed a bit plain to the eye, your thoughts? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, he hasn't really performed at the level we're, we're expecting him to do. Um, so, um, you know, he's, it's well documented. We plan to retire him to start uh, for this upcoming Southern Hemisphere breeding season. Uh, again, we'll have a good chat about it tomorrow, but um, it looks like uh, he might be off for the breeding bar. Yeah, it's um, uh, disappointing. He just hasn't uh, had that, that same zip or same ping that that we know he's capable of. Just before you go, and, and thanks for your time this morning, uh, we, we're talking about the, the carnival in Brisbane. It's only a few weeks away. Kicks off in May, goes right through May and June. Are there any Godolphin runners that are locked in at this stage? Um, nothing locked in, no. Um, but, you know, the horses like Trekking are coming through. We might have Sebastiano up there. Maya from, um, from the Anthony Friedman stables is a potential as well. Uh, you know, the Tats TR is a very attractive option for there, for us particularly. Um, so that races like that, and we've got other two-year-olds that we're, we're a bit keen on to bring bring through. So um, it'll be a good, good hand of mares and, 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 and up-and-coming two-year-olds we're looking at particularly. Well, the bottom line is there'll be plenty of blue there on the, the Brisbane tracks during the uh, during the months of May and June. Vin, always appreciate your time. It's really um, uh, appreciated by us here, and congratulations to the team on yesterday's outstanding results. Thank you, Dave, and thank you, Mike. I really appreciate your guys' support. It's great. There is Vin Cox joining us, Managing Director of Godolphin Australia. Yeah, we're talking about the highs and lows of our, our Group 1 races here in Australia. I, I couldn't believe it over the PA yesterday when we were at Doomben that Think It Over 
We mm. scratched an hour before the race. We had um, Kerry Parker on this show yeah. about three weeks ago after he won the George Ryder. He was just so excited to have another Group 1 horse following Dark Dream and the story behind him a few years ago. Um, and, and think it over, won the rider, he finished ahead of Cascadian. You know, trainers like him sort of live live and breathe to get these horses in the group ones, and they had to miss out yesterday. Apparently he sustained some abrasions or something on the way, and the vet passed him sort of um, um, unable to start, which was a, a crying shame. Just recapping, uh, before we put the Doncaster away, we've discussed Cascadian. The sort of horse as well, I think that... Uh, you need to really time his run right, and, and he often relies on luck because his pattern is to get back. A uh, few times there he's just missed out, being considered unlucky, but I think we again, we have to, to pay credit to, to Jamie Carr for a wonderful ride. She followed the right horse into the race, as you said, and delivered the result. Ice bath came along the rail, probably not the best part of the track yesterday. It was, right. it was the, the talking point that it was probably better, you know, where Cascadian uh, plotted its path. And Dallas said, good to see the, the yeah. South Aussie run a really good race. Uh, this was the race that, that Leon McDonald and Andrew Lewis had set him for. This was, this was the race. And, gee, for a fair way down the straight, he looked as though he was a chance of winning. Yeah, he was right up there on the speed in the first uh, half dozen and battled on very strongly there. Mugger, too, um, he was the very warm favourite. One of the, well, apart from Animo, one of the best back runners at Randwick yesterday. Um, and he was presented to win the race. I think if you'd backed him, you'd have been very happy at about the 350, mm. and then you could see Ice Bath getting up on the rails and Cascadian coming around his heels. Um, he's ended up sort of just whacking away a little bit late, like he was a little bit dour. Uh, I wonder now whether they'll, they'll head to the QE2 with him next week. Yes, uh, that'll be discussed, of course, in the very early part of the week. Animo, as we said, totally dominant. Uh, uh, no excuse offered for any other runner, and as Vin pointed out, now a dollar fifty for the champagne in two weeks' time, which you would think is his to lose. Well, absolutely, yeah. Um, he's just such an exciting horse. A lovely big colt. Um, seems to relax beautifully. He's got to change up gears, and that was instant. That acceleration mm. there yesterday. So I, I can't wait to follow his career over the next year or so. Let's continue our look back at the first day of the championships at Royal Ramwick. We'll go to another Group One. This is the T.J. Smith. And Nature Strip was the favourite, $3.10. They've got 600 metres to run and Eduardo not overdoing it in the lead. He's out by a half on Nature Strip. Then Libertini from Order of Command 11-11. Dirty work pulling out from Mass Crusader and Zatori into the straight now and Eduardo is the leader from Nature Strip. And they've broken clear from the rest but Nature Strip moved up. Put paid to Eduardo at this point and Nature Strip draws a length and a half. Two lengths clear from Eduardo. A gap back to Mass Crusader but Nature Strip goes back to back and the TJ, and this is an annihilation. Mars Crusader got up to run second in front of Eduardo Zatori, third, fourth, followed then by Bivouac, further back to 11 11, dirty work, Libertini, and order of commander. Nature Strip, his 16th win and his sixth at Group 1 level, and a display yesterday of controlled speed. Eduardo pinged at the start, got over on the inside of him to lead, so he had to sit outside, but sat comfortably, sat quietly, given his head in the straight. He was the best sprinter on the day, which we've seen so many times before. Yeah, they seemed to control things, didn't they, up mm. front when you have a look at the early sectionals. So I think that says a fair bit for Mars Crusader, who had to try and make ground when they really slipped home the last 600. Uh, regarding Eduardo, I thought he was the one to run down coming towards the bend, but 
You know, he's had a couple of really tough runs, hasn't he? Um, the challenge stakes when he got through to beat Nature Strip and then probably a personal best performance in the Galaxy when he just cleared out by three and a half. Just wonder, it must be so hard at this elite level to hold that kind of form every start. I thought when he was able to, to jump so speedily and control up front, I thought, well... I don't think they'll run him down. He wasn't as good, was he, as he was in the Galaxy. He was absolutely dominant in the Galaxy. And he was he was more than credible yesterday. He's run third. Yeah. But uh, not that same, you know, uh, zig in the straight. Mask Crusader, you mentioned about the sectional breakdown, and, and I agree it was against the back markers. But also, I think you can make a case that he was a little unlucky. Two points in the straight between the 400 and the 200, he went for a run and it didn't eventuate. He wasn't, you know, badly blocked, but just twice he had to hold a course. And, gee, his last 100 metres was, was impressive. The, the key now is, the key now is, does Nature Strip come to the, the Doom and 10,000 in five weeks' time? Well, it looks a perfect race, mm. but um, do they want to keep him going? Like, you know, if it was in two or three weeks' time, you'd say for sure and certain. What, what sort of impression did Chris Waller give you? No, well, just well, reading this morning's... Um, post-race uh, comments, uh, he didn't rule out the 10,000. In fact, he didn't need to bring it up. But as he said, the main goal will be the Everest in October, yeah. which is still, you know, several months away. 10,000 is only five weeks away, and uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't rule it out, and nor, nor does the tab, obviously, yeah. because he's into 250 now, so he is now a clear favourite for the Demon 10,000. And, of course, Mars Crusader is a, a, a possible Demon 10,000 runner as well, and they reacted there, $8 into $4.50. So... Yeah. They're like first and second favourites now. It's, it's, he's only had 11 starts, Mask Crusader. He's a gelding, so let's hope he stays sound and he's around for a long time. Obviously a very, very exciting horse for the future. Nature Strip, um, Chris Waller and James McDonald, they've been working over the past year pretty much when he was in Brisbane. Oh, it was a year before, wasn't it? Mm. Um, to try and get him to settle, and they've finally got him to do that. He was happy there, second letting Eduardo go. I think that's what it's all about. When he's led in the past and they've sort of gassed him, he hasn't quite been there at the end, but now he's just he seems to be settling a whole lot better. Because of his high profile, he's a horse that polarises opinion. Some want to bag him all the time and, and, yeah, well, and, and, and some, yeah. some are in the other, uh, other, other corner. But I think it's fair to say when, when, you, when you look at that argument, uh, these races, you can't win all of them unless you're black caviar. You can't win all of them, so he's won his fair share. I'd like to own one that's won six oh, grand absolutely. I would. I wouldn't care if someone bagged it a coach. I said, oh, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's just the the expectation because he yeah. turns in some world class performances, Ooh. and then we're expecting him that all the time. And as you say, they're flesh and blood. You know, it just doesn't happen. Let's go to the uh, other Group One of the day. This was the Australian Derby over the twenty four hundred metres, and the favourite was Montefiore at three thirty. Coming up to the turn, and it's the frontman swinging in front. Modafiel is getting a rails run, and the filly starting to come into the race. Quay Quay moved up on the outside. Then Youngworth and Milford, and further back to Rocket Spade. It's the frontman being tackled by Quay Quay. Modafielia has gone one pace coming down the outside as Lions Roar. Explosive Jack and Youngworth are between them. Here's a go in the derby. It's Lions Roar and Explosive Jack. Explosive Jack goes to Youngworth. 
I think Jack, I think explosive Jack went at a nose to Young Werther and a head away to Lions Roar. Then came Botophilia, followed by Quay Quay, further back to Rocket Spade, Favreau, the frontman from Olympic Gaze, a gap back to Rondino from Zach Speed, Sky Lab, Toscanini, Milford, and the last two, Yale Town and Prompt Prodigy. It's a photo. Yes, well, we were talking only to Kieran Ma last week uh, with Sir Dragon A winning the Group 1 Tancred and the Group 1 show rolled on there with Explosive Jack winning for, for Kieran and uh, David Eusis. John Allen had the ride, drew a wide gate and uh, had a wide run, uh, had cover at stages. But what an interesting career. Only seven starts. It kicked off, a, it won its maiden at Swan Hill. It went to Gulbert and missed a place. Then it won a, a 2,400 at Kembla. It went to Tassie and won the Derby. Came back to Mooney Valley in the Alistair Clark ran third, then ran second in the St. Ledger at Bendigo, and then wins the Derby yesterday. It's been everywhere. Yes, by the side, Jackalbury, um, who stands in New Zealand. Remember him, Jackalbury? Mm. He was a diet-in-the-wall stayer. So um, they've had to be a little bit patient with this fellow, but they're certainly reaping the rewards. Now, it was a big three, three-way three finish, wasn't it? And he, he sort of just ducked in a little bit and maybe possibly hampered Lions Raw just for a stride, but... It was a um, a terrific effort by Explosive Jack, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with these horses. I noticed um, last year, second, third, and fourth out of out of the Derby at, at Randwick were all exported: uh, Zabrowski, Eric the Eel, and Shadow Hero. So um, there'd probably be a few Hong Kong um, agents on the phone looking at that Derby yesterday. I've got to give my uh, colleague Jared Wessel a wrap here because he does the Black Booker segment for Melbourne. He Black Booked Explosive Jack out of its run at Bendigo. He said, wherever it goes next start, it'll be hard to beat. <laughs> Went straight to the Australian Derby and won, so yeah. he's done well there. Sky Lab dropped out of it yesterday. Ooh. The expectation was very high following his run at Rose Hill, and uh, James McDonald said after the race that he felt that the horses just simply had enough. Fair enough. Well, they were the Group 1s, but plenty of other racing action at Royal Randwick yesterday. Let's go to the replay now of the Chairman's Quality, a lead-up, of course, to next week's Sydney Cup, this race at Group 2 level. Quick Thinker sustains the run. Moved up to Paths of Glory, clear from Rondinella. Quick Thinker wants to drift in a little bit. Two lengths clear from Rondinella giving chase. It's Quick Thinker though. A length and a half to Rondinella. They're well clear from the rest, but Quick Thinker and Damien Lane in front. Rondinella making a late bid for victory. Quick Thinker clings on. Quick Thinker wanted a nick to Rondinella. A gap to Paths of Glory third. Then came Salino, Field, The Rush, Sacramento, Hush Rider, Mirage Dancer. They're coming in at long intervals here. Miss Sentimental from Sir Charles Road to Do's Dart and uh, Concert Hall and Collide. So some of those have really struggled under the soft conditions. <laughs> Collide ran last, been 100 lengths. So was the official march and behind Quick Thinker. A uh, horse who's a derby winner, an Australian derby winner, appreciated those soft conditions yesterday and... He's uh, 34 into 15 for the Sydney Cup. Yeah, that was his first win since uh, the derby of last year, quick thinker. Um, it was a funny race yesterday, wasn't it? They really got on their bikes at about the 800 metres mark, really put the pressure on. And obviously a lot of horses didn't cope with that because they came in at long intervals. But quick thinker uh, was able to score. I think apart from the first two, um, the rest really battled. Rondonella was quite good for second. $17 now for the Sydney Cup. Uh, I think Realm of Flowers is still a favourite for the Sydney Cup at $6, but um, clearly out of that race yesterday, the only ones you want to be on going forward are the first and second, Quick Thinker and Rondonella, I think. 
few other talking points. The country championship is always a, a great promotional um, exercise. And uh, Art Cadeau won, Terry Robinson training. And he went into the race as the favourite. In fact, he, he ran the favourite. He was the form runner. Wonderful record prior to today. Ten starts, four wins, run up six times. So he's run either first or second. And yesterday, another first. Yeah, from the south coast. And uh, you're right, he, he does have a, a terrific record. He's a four-year-old now by Artie Schiller. Um, yeah, he's got this um, this pattern of racing where he puts himself in the right spot. Tommy Berry, that was his second win in the country championships. He won it on Clearly Innocent a few years ago. It's um, always great to see um, the Robinson name in uh, the race books, mm. formerly synonymous with harness racing in New South Wales through um, Terry's dad, Kevin. And, um, you know, they're, just, they're simply a great horse family, aren't they? Kevin Robinson uh, was a wonderful horseman um, and... Uh, he was one of the leading trainers, you know, the great days of Harold Park. And then, of course, uh, decided to turn his hand to, to thoroughbred racing. And, and Terry and, and also Chris followed in his followed in their father's footsteps. Terry was a very accomplished driver yep. and, and, and trained as well. But now he's doing the, the training on the, the galloping side of things. And he's got a nice horse here in Art Cadeau. I wanted to mention this horse in the Carbine Club uh, for Waller. Waller training three winners yesterday. Kiku in the second race was successful. And um, only lightly raced and light into a preparation, only her third run this time in. You would think um, she'd be an ideal Queensland Guineas horse. The, the Guineas is on the 1st of May. It's the first big feature of our carnival. So she seems to be profiling very well for that sort of race. Yeah, she had her... Um um, she had a few runs in now, but you're right. And Chris Waller does target two and three-year-old races during uh, the Brisbane Ooh. winter. The timing's right. The two-year-olds are, you know, approaching three. And uh, this this filly now is fully mature as a rising four-year-old by Zoo Star. So I think you're right. We, we could possibly see her on the float heading to the Gold Coast stable. And, of course, one of the lead-ups to the Oaks, the Adrian Knox, won by Dewis. Uh, another Cummings this time, Edward Cummings. Yes, um, Edward's first winner happened to be um, that group race yesterday. And, um, yeah, this filly is closely related to Baccarat Baby mm. and also Amici. Um, the dam, as I understand, I was talking to David Van Dyke yesterday, near Lust. Yep. Um, she was purchased. She had five starts. She only won one race, uh, retired, and was purchased for 22000 And now she's got two stakes winners in, in this filly and... Uh, um, Baccarat Baby, who, by the way, has now been retired. And David was saying he's got the full sister in work now. She's a two-year-old. So, um, yeah, she's been a, a really good broodmare. Well, of course, the second day of the championships next Saturday at uh, at Royal Ramwick. And uh, if you're keen to have a, a better futures bet, they're betting on, what is it, uh, seven races, of course, headed by the Queen Elizabeth. Very elegant of the day. They clash again, $3 each of two, but the markets are up for the, the Sydney Cup, the Oaks, the Coolmore Legacy, the Provincial Championships, the Arrowfield, and the Percy Sykes. So another great day of racing next Saturday at Royal Randwick. We'll we're, take... we're all talking about, um, you know, the clash again, and rightly so, very elegant and a day, but can the Cox Plate winner, Sir, Sir Dragonette, yeah, um, I think Glenn Boss said last time that they, they beat him home by about 2.3 lengths in the Rand Vet. But mm. he felt, after winning the Tancred, he said after the Tancred, he was just in need of that run when he raced them last time. So um, it just adds another dimension, I feel. He's got, a, obviously, Cox Plate winner over 2,000 metres. So 
And, and he's back. He's fully tuned up now, so he could make it interesting too next week. Let him talk about next week's meeting during the week here on Racing Active. Let's take a break. Our first break. Thanks for your company this morning. We'll profile the meeting at Doomben next. Past the Post on Radio Tab. We're only three weeks away from our carnival here in Brisbane. I shouldn't say Brisbane, South East Queensland, because we've got big meetings at the Gold Coast and the Sunshine Coast as well. But yesterday we were at Doomben, a nine-race card, an improving track, soft six to a soft five. Let's go to the, the replay of race seven. Ballistic Lover was the favourite right through the day, but was easy towards the end of betting. And in the end, Simply Fly went to the post as favourite. Up to the turn now, 500 left to Rana, and Ballistic Lover in control from Stavia Reply. There's a head editor, Sherry Hart at work 3D, Blazebra next, then Super Air, he's the news, and Simply Fly down below the 300 metres. Ballistic Lover looks to be travelling well. It's got Snappy Reply's measure, then Blazebra, Simply Fly making some ground, then Sherry, but Ballistic Lover with 100 metres left to go is well clear. Simply Fly now starting to zoom home. Ballistic Lover in front and held on. Just, I'd say, simply fly, jumped out of the ground, and the winner of the uh, horse, Bloodlistic Lover, sat down. Then Stabby replies, Sherry Blurzebra, he's the news, and Super Air last over the line in 60.71. At 290 out to 370, trained by Joe Pride, Robbie Fred of the Rod, I was probably a little unkind to Ballistic Lover because the race sort of changed complexion all of a sudden the last few strides, and I thought... And maybe to a degree it was starting to get tired as well, but apparently jumped a shadow, and that was the reason that uh, uh, yeah. the, the margin became a lot closer than what it should have been. Apparently it was um, at that time of the day, precisely that time of the day, the photo finish lights um, cast this shadow, which was about 20 metres, 30 metres from the winning post, and she did clearly put in a, a, a funny step. She tried to jump that shadow, and then all of a sudden simply fly loomed on the outside, so... She would have been a bit unlucky had he grabbed her. But, um, yeah, it was interesting. She was one of three New South Wales trained horses that won yesterday. Of course, we had Fender, um, Express Princess as well. So three of the nine races going to the south. And we might, with the extension of the Sydney Carnival, back a week, of course, um, we might see some of these on-the-cusp sort of horses in Ooh. Sydney that are not quite up to their carnival coming up here over the next couple of weeks. Let's talk more about Ballistic Lover and her trainer, Joe Pride, joins us on Past the Post. Joe, good morning and good work with Ballistic Lover yesterday. Will we see her stay in Brisbane? What's her plan? No, no, she's going to come home today. It looked, just looked like a really suitable race on the on the calendar there. Um, you know, horses like her, sort of, if they're not up to the group race on the Saturday, they push back into midweek grade and racing for you know, much less prize money than what she was able to earn yesterday. So... Um, she's a progressive horse, and I think you know there's, there's better wins in store for her. But it was a, it just looked like a perfect assignment for her there yesterday. It certainly was. Um, many thought the Blur Zebra might lead. She half missed the start, missed her by half a length. But your filly, we know she's got speed as well. She trialled well leading into this race. Uh, were you fairly confident about her prospects yesterday? Yeah, yeah. Like I wouldn't travel a horse sort of first up if, unless I thought they were a good winning chance. Mm. And she's a, a filly who does go particularly well on the press side. Um, we've got a we've got the scone meeting move to Rose Hill this year and there's an eleven hundred metre race for three year old fillies in five weeks time and that, that sort of blends in perfectly for her because that's the sort of you know, four and five weeks between runs is, is ideal and she's still just best over the short course as well. So And did you see that incident yesterday, Joe, uh, thirty or forty metres from the post? What were you thinking when you were watching? It was hard to miss, wasn't it? Um yeah. so that's it's sort of typical of that filly actually. She she needs to be worked in the dark at home because she's constantly spotting things on the track. 
Um, she's she sort of overreacts to, to to a lot of things in that way. She's got a, a good temperament, but um, you yeah, know, if you work in the daylight, she works. She's quite distracted. Um, but um, working in the dark, she doesn't see any of it. And um, you know, there's been a lot of talk of, of late about horses, um, you know, working in working in daylight hours. But I tell you, I, I'm I'm not, I'm not a fan of it. I, I've got plenty of horses that are so much better in the in the dark. When we say in the dark, you know, obviously their tracks are well lit up, but um, she's really a case in point where if she had to work in the light all the time, I'm not sure she would be as good at, um, you know, be, be where she is now in her career. Joe, you're right in saying it has been a talking point for some, well, for some time. It seems to have eased off a bit now, but it was a, a strong talking point there a couple of months ago. You know, should we uh, change our training times in the morning to, to, to start later? What are your thoughts? Yeah, look, the, the problem for me with it all is... Um, um, particularly in well, two, two main points. In summertime, I just find once once the sun comes up, it's just very hot, and I wouldn't want to be working horses after about eight o'clock. I think it's it's too much, it's too taxing on them. And you see in some of the Asian jurisdictions, you know, the horses race much lighter than they do here in Australia in condition because of the you know the the conditions that they have to train in. Um, and the other thing is just just the amount of work you got to fit into one day. And if you don't start early, well, you're going to finish very late. And um, yeah, I'm I'm a fan of starting early. My best, my the best time of day for me is when that sun's coming up. I'm quite refreshed and and sort of you know, as I say, that is the best best time of day for 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 me and my staff to be working. Take us through Eduardo. Michael and I were discussing this a little earlier. Once he pinged to the lead and and controlled it up front, I thought he'd win the race. I, I know I know Nature Strip sitting there. I, I get that, but. Uh, what be your thoughts? You're a pretty hard marker. You're you're uh, a, a frank analyst of your horse's performances. Uh, was he not as good as he was at his previous start? No, no, he's definitely below his best. And so I, I don't want to sound like I'm not giving enough credit to Nature Strip. He turned up with his absolute A game, and we all know when he does that how hard he is to beat. And uh, but unfortunately, my horse was below his best yesterday, and I and yeah, I heard a few people say possibly the twelve hundred, but I don't think it was that. He was beaten too far out. Mm. Um, I just think the taxing. Uh, and the, the toll that the, the those first two runs, a win over Nature Strip first up and then a, a dominant win in the Galaxy, the, just the, the toll that that took on him. Um, and it wasn't there to be seen before the race, but it often isn't. It's when you put them under pressure that you see it. And he was probably, you know, maybe 10% off his A game there yesterday, but that 10%, um, you know, against that quality of opposition is the difference between, you know, winning and running third. So... Um, as they credit for Nature Strip, but I'd love to have another crack at him when we have a, a more suitable preparation. I, I, I set him for that Galaxy, and he won that, and anything he did beyond that was a bonus, and unfortunately yesterday he just wasn't at his best. Just before we let you go, talking about Brisbane, have you got any any runners in the stable you might consider bringing north for the Carnival? The interesting runner going around next week called Private Eye, who's going to run in the, uh, mm. the South Pacific, the 1400 metre. He, he's, he's definitely a candidate I would, I would think about for bringing up to Brisbane. Um, but look, there's a couple of others, and it's, it's very easy to do that travel between uh, interstate nowadays, so um, wouldn't hesitate to throw anything that's progressive on a float to bring up there. But um, yeah, I wouldn't think it'd be a lot of horses, but there, there should be one or two throughout the carnival. Joe, what did you make of Private Eye's first up run? That was the Derby Munro at Rose Hill a couple of weeks ago. It's a real forgive run. He's coming off the back of uh, five consecutive consecutive wins, but he he didn't have the ideal preparation into it. He he was going to have a trial and ended up having a jump out, only having a jump out. And then the week races got delayed a week, and he had a sort of a tough run back in the field and got um, basically put out of play just on the corner there. Um, into the fence. So he didn't do a bad job to make up ground. Look, it wasn't a, a flashing light run, but also I don't think it was that bad. And then he trialled on Friday with a set of blinkers on at Randwick. I thought it was an excellent trial. So 
I, w- I, would, I would suggest you get back on track on Saturday. Joe, thanks for your time this morning. We do appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Joe Pride joining us, and he has done a wonderful job with Eduardo, hasn't he? Oh, unbelievable. He's only had him for about eight starts, four wins, and, of course, that peak performance uh, that we spoke about in the Galaxy. Um, so a little bit of a, a break for him now. And um, we did ask Joe a few weeks ago, and he said that he's not really looking at Brisbane with him. So um, we certainly hope that we do get a few good sprinters from Sydney. Um, Nature Strip, um, we'll probably, they'll probably confirm that during this week. Yeah, Eduardo, he's rising eight. He's only had uh, 20 starts, though, and uh, he's won seven of them. But let's continue back our look at Doom. And we'll go to the last race, the uh, the lucky last. It was lucky for Michael and I with wonderful Riri winning. And uh, she ran the favourite, $5.50. Here's the replay. Travelling by the 600 metres, the first 750, 44.81, the split all important in front. Leeds Morona with Arthur in charge outside the pair. So taken fourth, Royal Hale going well, needing a run, then Xanthus. Gem of Scotland wide, Keane under the inside. Wonderful Reary back in the ruck and under pressure as heads were turned for home. All important led the way. Morona the outside, so taken as the run there now, if good enough. Followed by at the head of the others, Royal Hale. Wonderful Reary starting to pick up now. Gem of Scotland wider, and then came Guntone's. Down to the 100 metres, though. The leader was Baroda. Wonderful Reary's getting up on the inside. Coming two to their one. Home she goes. Wonderful Reary. Yes, she's wonderful, all right. She beat home Gem of Scotland. And Baroda, so taken. Then Royal Hale, Guntades, Kedar, followed by Salamade, Accession, Arthur in charge. Uh, pulling up quickly was Xanthus with Ginger Rocket, all important, knocked up. Ran last in 120 and 41. Yes, all's well that ends well with wonderful Reary winning the last race. Matt Hoisted's in the training partnership with Steve O'Day. He's our next guest on Past the Post. Matt, good morning. Morning, guys. How are you going? Very well, Matt. and we were in a very good frame of mind after <laughs> wonderful Reary won. Michael was on in the place all up. I was on it to win. And, but I've got to say, coming to the turn, I thought, I don't know if she's going to win or not. She was back in the ruck and seemed under a little bit of pressure. Yeah, it was a bit of a... She probably was was that probably pair further back than we sort of envisioned early, but um, you know she she can be a little bit tricky even going through her sort of form when she was down in Melbourne. Sometimes she could be sort of a hard going thing and could often sort of be that pair or two probably closer you know than we than she probably should have been. She was probably just a touch out of her comfort zone. So just Ben knows this this mare so well now, so we're happy just to leave it up to him and find out you know let her find a comfortable rhythm where she where she was. But uh, agreed, coming to the turn it was looking a little bit. A little bit hairy is probably good that they're all wanting to get off the, mm. you know, sort of get out to the middle of the track. So we're always sort of keen that, um, you know, thought they'd fan and, and the run would present itself. But um, look, it was still great to see her good enough and, you know, show a really good turn of foot late. Matt, did you, um, did the guys hose her down before, after you saddled her up? Uh, no, no, we actually didn't. Yeah, she, she's a, she's a mare. She, it's funny at home. She's really lovely and relaxed and really quiet. But as soon as we, Early doors even took her to her first jump out and, and trial. She she can get herself pretty revved up. And um, obviously she's been sort of similar her first two runs for us, but obviously it was quite a hot day yesterday and it really sort of got to her. She's she's a bit of a highly strung strung mare. Um, but look, obviously was still pretty glad to see her. Mate, wanted to make sure she went to the gates, uh, went to the went on the track nice to relax and was pretty pretty happy to see her go to the go around to the gates nice and relax when she canned it off. So I think that's just sort of her something that we're gonna. Um, you know, get used to. It's a tricky time of year because we're not far off carnival time, so the races are a hell of a lot harder to win or even get into. Can can this mare keep extending? What's what's the plan? Yeah, I think so. We, look, she's a mare. I think we're just better 
kept race, racing a little bit sparingly and kept a bit on the fresh side. Look, obviously they tested her out to a mile, um, and you know she's won at a mile down in Victoria. But I think she's sort of better kept fresh at these. You know, 1400 is probably a pet trip. Um, even speed on it over 12, you know, I think she still can be quite effective. But um, there's a month now to the silk stocking. So, look, that's where we'll head with her. She she can go have a week just at the pre-train and just tick over, have a little freshen up and come back in. And, look, I think her, her form sort of warranted. Just love the love the way she just tries her guts out. As you can see, she really pins her ears back and really attacks her line. So I think a, a race like that's not, you know, completely out of her grasp. And, you know, it's definitely worth, uh, you know, throw up the stumps with her. She's got a good record, hasn't she? 16 starts, six wins. And I remember her trialling at Doombin before um, she, um, you guys kicked her off her prep um, and she trialled really well. She was second by the Epic Girl that day. And I think a lot of people sort of sat up and took notice of her. So the future certainly looks bright for her. Good to see Tumbler Ridge back um, as a three-year-old now. Very competitive at two and it took him three runs. But he was off the scene for a while, Matt. Why was that like for seemingly an extended break? Yeah, it was never any issue. He obviously had a really busy two-year-old season. He, I think he nearly raced eight times as a two-year-old, and that probably just all caught up with him a touch. Look, there was no, he had never had any uh, you know, any issue as such, but it was just a few muscular issues. He was just a little bit tired, so we we um, elected to give him a give him a good break just to let him get over it. And he, look, we've been really happy with him all prep. He's just probably come back a horse that's been looking for this sort of trip now. Look, obviously we, you know, it's hard when the you've got the carrot of the jewel there. Um, you know, with such good prize money, it was, it was worth a throw at the stumps. But that's, you know, those first two runs, obviously, the run at the 1,000 and then in the duel over 1,200 were just far too short of his best. So we obviously it was good to see him, you know, prior to yesterday's last start at 14, you know, really put the riding on the board that he was back and, um, you know, really good to see him again. It's been a little while since he's won, so it was good to see him really put away that field um, yesterday in the fashion that he did. Exactly right, and of course, a better get set uh, ran third for the stable. Before we let you go, an update on Got a Kiss? Yeah, look, obviously, um, she had no issue with her post that, that run. Obviously, it was very out of character for her. Um, look, we've done a lot of tests on her post that run and hasn't really revealed all that much. Um, so she just had a quiet week. We did a little bit of work with her at the end of end of last week, which, um, you know, we're really happy with her, happy with the way she pulled up. So look, we'll pull another blood on her tomorrow morning, make sure that's all clear prior to doing a bit of work with her on Tuesday and yeah hopefully it was just a you know matter of an off day look she obviously had a had a jump out on the Monday prior but she's done that before and raced well so wouldn't really put that down as an excuse so hopefully we can just put it down she's had an off day and can bounce back in the day break lover yeah totally out of character good on you Matt thanks for your time always appreciate it no worries thanks Matt Hoister joined us this morning in that training partnership with Steve O'Day. And, yeah, we've got a kiss. It, it, it wasn't out of character. Right? She never runs a bad race, but she did the other day. Yeah, well, it, it, she seemed to be travelling nicely, coming towards the bend, and then uh, nothing at all when she's usually fighting the line. David, we spoke to Joe Pride about Ballistic Lover. That race really fell away. It was $125,000 and obviously attracted uh, the Southerners. Lord Olympus was uh, an acceptor. Pinnacle Prince, uh, Miss Canada, they, they were all scratch so um, it fell away a little bit yesterday and uh, our ballistic lover managed to just hold on but we've got to mention the performance of simply fly what were you thinking calling the race um, about his chances sort of halfway through well we're used to him being back there and we're used to seeing that booming finish and um, had a bit of weight to carry yesterday as well uh, I thought the I, I, I thought for the major part of the straight he was no hope and then of course he Probably if the race had gone another 10, 20 minutes, he might have won the race. I'm sure yeah. he would have won the race. Yeah. He was going two to Ballistic Lovers, one. But 
she made the most of her good barrier and her, her gate speed to, to, to make her own luck and, and hang on. Let's listen to one more replay from yesterday. A lot of things I want to talk about from Duma, but we'll go to the replay of the sprint and race course road and Jaden Tom. They looked at two on paper and putters thought that as well. In the end, Jaden Tom 320, race course road at 330. Race course Raiders gone hard. Approaches the home turn leading from Capital Connection. Epic Girl third off the bit. Now Jade and Tom still four off them trying to make ground. Constant fight off the bit as well. In the straight race course Raid led. Capital Connection is trying hard on the outside. Jade and Tom now rallying to the task. Epic Girl still there with some sort of chance. Race course Raid, they still haven't got it. Leads from Capital Connection. Jade and Tom slowly but surely trying to pick back the margin. Race course Raid in front and held on. Beat Jade and Tom. Capital Connection third, then Epic Girl, followed by Embrace Me, Constant Flight, then Royal Witness, Super Giant, and Romany Girl last home in 1988. He's developed it into a really nice package, this horse, a race course road. That was his ninth win at start 25. Kelly Schweder, Ron Stewart rides him well. I thought a lot of merit in the win yesterday because you and I were talking off air uh, before the meeting about what what tactics would happen here now. Capital Connection, Ryan Maloney made sure that Racecourse Road worked for the money to get to the front. And I thought, well, they went sub-35 the first 600. I thought he's going to be vulnerable, but he fought them off fairly and squarely. Yeah, I don't know whether that it was Ryan's intention to lead. It, it's just that I've seen him do it a number of times, Capital Connection, absolutely fly the gates. Mm. There's not too many horses quicker out of the gates than him. And he jumped a half a length in front. So Ryan's obviously thought, well, we'll just let him roll. Um, and it did take Racecourse Road a while to actually cross. Uh, Ronnie Stewart said to Bernie in the post-race interview, he knows this horse like the back of his hand, Racecourse Road. You can't restrain him. He wasn't going to restrain him off Capital Connection. As soon as Capital Connection came back under Ryan, he then let him stride to the lead, let him keep on rolling. And the thing that I like about this this horse is that he's so hard to get past. I mean, Ooh. he was out on his hooves 200 to go. Jaden Tom switched back towards the inside, was coming after him, but it did appear he was, he's just so tenacious. He was always sort of holding her down to the line yesterday. A great performance by her as well, because she had three and a half kilos more than him. Yeah, I thought that was a thing that might pull her up, and it probably was at 59 and a half, but as, as per usual, she delivered a, you know, a, a, a top three performance. Capital Connection, good in third. Epic Girl battled on well in fourth. We talked about this horse, Fender, earlier in the program, uh, trained by Brett Kavanagh. Uh, he's always had a rap on him. He came into the race the winner of four of seven starts. Uh, he was well fancied in the market during the morning, but that support evaporated in that you know all-important lead-up to the race. He drifted uh, 280 out to 350, but won as many of us thought he would, outside leader and too classy. It was it was unusual because he presented in the yard um, quite forward. He'd had that, that trial um, at Scone before coming up here. Good first up record. Um, there was just nothing. And he, as I said, he presented beautifully in the yard, nice and calm. Uh, I was amazed to see that drift. Um, and he it was a great ride by Ryan Maloney because he drew barrier number seven. Ryan obviously knows... Um, um, Amici, who was drawn just in, was just drawn just inside him. He had one horse inside him, and he sort of just waited for Amici to lead to take him across beautifully, and always travelling three quarters of a length off her, travelling strongly, and he really let down like a, a really nice horse. Yeah, certainly. Congratulations to Ben Thompson, a riding treble there yesterday at Dooman.
We're going to Eagle Farm this Saturday. Two listed races. We've got the uh, the Daybreak Lover for the three-year-olds and the Ascot Handicap. It's had more uh, changes to its date and distance than you can imagine. It's now a thousand metre race next Saturday, but they're the two two features next weekend at Eagle Farm. Let's turn our attention now to racing at Morfordville. Their carnival is beckoning as well. They had two listed races yesterday. We mentioned the Dequedival with Vin Cox because Godolphin Quinella the race with Cloudy and Translation. The other listed feature was the Port Adelaide Giddies. Chicka for Werte now pushed on. Casino 17 attacks and the pair swing together with Mote Pulciano, Itchy Bansan. So let's toe starting to lose ground. Then came Valinetti. Casino 17 got to the middle part of the track, but he took the lead from Chicka for Werte. Royal Miles thundering through on the rail. Then Mote Pulciano and let's crack a deal. Casino 17's running out of steam and Royal Mile ran straight through underneath and races away to win the Port Adelaide Guineas. Royal Mile from Let's Crack a Deal who got up for second ahead of Casino 17 Itchy Bansan ran a race as did Mote Pulciano Chicka for Werde weakened out then Crown Mint Valinetti Iron Edge Salt Peter Morty Confrontational never got into it Ecumenical finished well back with Better Eddie and so let's toast He's a very promising three-year-old Royal Mile he's only had the seven starts that was his fourth win at listed level yesterday and uh, a great uh, moment for Jacob Opperman, not long riding, uh, his the biggest win in his short career so far. And Royal Mile is trained by Lee Craig. Lee's based down in the southeast of Mount Gambier, and Lee's been kind enough to join us this morning. Lee, good morning. Congratulations. You've got a nice horse there. Uh, thanks, uh, David. Yeah, no, he's a nice horse. So, um, yeah, very pleased with him. yesterday. Give us a bit of background to him. Did you think, or did he always show ability before he raced? Uh, yes, um, we obviously purchased the horse as a yearling. Um, yeah, he's, he was always a horse that had above average ability. And um, as I said to Terry yesterday in a, a post-race interview, this this time of the year has been on his, his radar for the last six months. So, um, yeah, was very bullish about him yesterday. And, um, yeah, he's a nice horse. Lee, a, a very astute purchase by yourself. He was knocked down to you at the um, Magic Millions Adelaide sale as a yearling, $26,000. And um, I did see a photo of him as a yearling. He looks to be a nice, well-balanced colt back then. Yeah, um, I've, I had a couple of Dane Riches uh, that I won quite a few races with and, and always liked the stallion. Um, they were good, honest, tough horses, so... Had always been on the lookout for another one, and yeah, as you said, he was—he was nearly one of the colts of the sale. I thought, and I thought he'd go for a lot more than than what we had to pay, and I was very determined to leave there with him. So, uh, Lee, being yeah. by Dane Rich, what can you tell me about him in terms of his progeny and and what distance, uh, you know, what distances they're sort of, um, you know, they've been most achievable at? Um, well, we, they're pretty. Um, they can sprint or stay. Um, the two horses that I had by the stallion, um, one was a good sprinter and the other horse got out to 1,800 and, and won over that distance. So, um, And I think this bloke can do either. I think I could, could bring him back to 1,200 if I had to and he, and he would, would win. He's a very versatile horse. Well, what are you going to do with him? As I said, Lee, the carnival's just around the corner. What's the plans, or the, the immediate plans with Royal Mile? Um... Obviously, the horse, he, he comes first. Uh, he's a three-year-old. Um, 
He, if he pleases me in the next week, he will obviously head to the chairman's stakes. Um, and then a decision then will be made on whether he runs in the derby or not. Um, the derby's been on the radar you know, for six months. Well, I always thought he was a derby horse. Mm. But, um, that decision can be made once he, once he contests the chairman. Right. He'll, t- he'll tell you whether he can uh, run the trip or not. And we must... Uh, Give young Jacob Opperman uh, credit. He's been on this horse uh, right through. And uh, a rails-hugging ride there yesterday. They all fanned. He stuck to the inside. It's the shortest way home and it paid dividends. Yeah. Um, yeah Jacob's a great young lad. Um, he obviously rides work for us every week. Uh, great association with the horse. Uh, has a great, calm demeanour about him. And he, he never panics and he, he, he thinks, thinks things through. So... And at this early stage of his career, he's obviously going to be an extremely talented rider. Yeah, certainly. Lee, for listeners outside of South Australia, just give, give us a bit of background to your, your training career. Have uh, you been in it for, for many years? Uh, yeah, my father trained horses. So that's all I've, all I've ever known. Um, we were I mean, probably full-time now for the last 12 years. Um, we usually have between 8 and 12 in work um, probably best horse I've had was Casino Wizard um, so yeah um, he was, he was, Casino Wizard was a wonderful horse wasn't he, he raced season after season and you know once you got him up to that, that top company there he was always competitive yes he was um, or he won I think four stakes races and he was group 1 and group 3 place um just a fantastic horse. We unfortunately we obviously lost him in tragic circumstances a year and a half ago. So um, it's been a long, hard year and a half, David, and it's been good to find another good one. So. Yeah, it's, it certainly has, and you have found a good one. And I think it's always great when you know a, a carnival's coming up that there's a, a local that can can uh, stand up and be counted, and uh, he's certainly showing showing that royal mile. Congratulations on yesterday. I hope you win plenty more races with him and, and all of your team. No worries. Thanks for that. Pleasure. Lee Creek joining us uh, from Mount Gambia. It was a big win, wasn't it? And as you say, great ride. He was seventh, the fence, stuck to the rails, the best rails-hugging ride you'll ever see. I thought the runner-up was very good too um, in terms of the SA Derby on the 8th of May. Let's crack a deal. Mm. He, was, he was sort of back with Royal Mile, came wide and really hit the line hard. And he, of course, ran, what, 2.3 lengths off Johnny Get Angry in the VRC Derby, over 2,500, so he can stay. So, yes, um, I'm interested to follow Royal Mile or whether he does step up to that trip in the Derby. We're going to Ipswich tomorrow. They've got their transferred meeting, but Sunshine Coast on the day. Yeah. Do one thing for us. Leave us with a winner today. Well, I just had a look. It's into a dollar seventy-five. What? Um, That's yeah. too short. Miss Canada. Is it was due to run yesterday? Yes, she was due to run yesterday, Miss Canada, and uh, much better prices were offered earlier. Maybe the scratching has seen a plummet, but gee, have a look at her form. She went around in that Princess Series during the spring, not far off Dame Giselle, uh, ran down September run, bit of form around Hungry Hearts. She's oh. in a class two today. But I also think this one in the first to win, David, uh, Vienna Empress. Yes. Also scratched from yesterday. 5.50 now was a little bit better than that about an hour ago. So so Vienna Empress in the first and Miss Canada in race, race eight. eight. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks, mate. Thanks for this morning. All right. Thank you, David. Michael Maxworthy joining us this morning. And, folks, thanks for your company. Always appreciate it. I look forward to you, to you joining me tomorrow morning for Press Room. Until then, have a good day. Bye-bye.